This podcast is part of the GWC Network. For more information on it or to check out some of our other awesome podcasts, visit us at galacticwatercooler.com. After the tone, enjoy the show. This is Save Eureka, podcast number 42, Smarter Carter. Welcome back, everybody. Hello. This is going to be a problem because for all this time with new Eureka, it just feels so natural and it's just not going to feel right when it finally stops, you know? There's a couple more and we're, uh, I guess that's the end of the run for a while. I want to talk about favorite moments in this episode because yeah. I, I know what mine is and i'll give you a second to think of yours and i'm going to ask you afterward crap okay my favorite moment in this entire episode was in henry's garage when henry and zane looked at each other uh, after yep. <laughs> after all i was gonna said, say the exact same thing yeah. yeah can you imagine going through your whole life without being able to touch yourself there, and they Eureka. looked at each other for like three seconds. Yeah, it's like, hold on, we got to cut to them. <laughs> Nobody it. said anything. Nobody smirked. Nothing. I was like, awesome. I wonder how many yeah, times Felicia Day had to deliver that line to be able to deliver a deadpan like that. <laughs> <laughs> I liked uh, Jack's reaction on the uh, uh, on the. The, uh, yeah, she accepted my apology, and uh, oh, yeah. Sarah goes, "Yes, three times." Three times. <laughs> that sounds just like her. <laughs> oh, I was like, that... thank you for that image. <laughs> yeah, I still don't know what image to have exactly. It's just, uh, yeah. It's what, so what are the mechanics of that? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> hmm. Are you jacking on in there? <laughs> <laughs> I actually had I, a, well, go ahead. Uh, no, I was gonna say I I, I did like the uh, the kind of uh, the the buddy dad moment between Kevin and uh, Jack in the uh, in the kitchen, where he, he there were a basically couple of them. he talked about why you know like he figured out that Kevin had drilled him on on the paper so oh. that he for his benefit and it's yeah. like you, know, you don't have to do that, man. But I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, the moment when. Uh, um, when Kevin is like, you saw his face though, right? He's like, yeah, yeah, I saw his face. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty that awesome. That was pretty awesome. <laughs> it was awesome, yeah. Yeah, I had a funny thought about this. I couldn't help but think that this is almost a classic body swap episode that just doesn't actually involve body swapping. Because mm. if you think about it, I mean, it's it's almost like it's designed for the brother-in-law to show up and the brother-in-law is smart and 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 Carter is supposed to be is is you know not smart in the ways that that matter to the family or to the brother-in-law and and essentially what ends up happening is that the two of them swap roles like like Carter becomes smart and loses somewhat I have more to say about this but loses his humanity becoming smart well his heart is exactly yeah yeah. and then uh and and at the same time like when it comes time for the Carter solution and there is no Carter because Carter has become one of them so to speak um it ends up being the brother-in-law that comes up with the suggestion and and it it seemed pretty clear that they were like kind of Marcus Marcus, thank yeah, you. Yeah. That they were yeah. like both getting a taste of the other's place in the world and learning to understand it and respect it, you know? It's interesting, too, that the show 
kind of comments on itself. Like it, it's commenting on that role that Carter plays as the everyman. And Allison even calls him. Yeah, he has this everyman quality. You know, and it's interesting because you feel like the show is almost looking back at itself and commenting on why that's important. Although I believe the term she used was dumb sheriff. <laughs> she did use that it one did too. eventually, yeah. That. yeah. <laughs> I like every man better. Oh my god! Second favorite moment when Kevin's like, "Oh, my uncle's kind of prejudiced," and Jack's like, what, "Against white people? Against white people? Oh, against <laughs> dumb people? No offense." <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny, you know. I I just caught myself thinking over and over again that. Uh, okay, I mean it's it's sort of a little bit like uh, what was the what was the Harrison Ford movie where he was the lawyer that got shot in the robbery? You know what I'm talking about? Witness? I don't remember. Damn it. Anyway, it was kind of interesting. You know, he's this like mean, high powered lawyer who's just a douchebag and and like a, a waste of air. You know, and then yeah. there's this holdup and he gets shot in it and he's sort of mentally addled. And then he sort of reconnects with his humanity. Regarding Henry? That's it. Okay. And reconnects with his humanity and learning to, you know, relearning all the basics of life and becomes this... this cool person and it's it's cool in a way because you're like wow that's awesome that this challenge to his life caused him to re-examine these things that made him a bit of a douche (laughs) on the other hand i can totally see the argument that it essentially says that the lawyer finds his humanity after getting shot in the head you know it's like (laughs) ouch you know (laughs) yeah it makes you wonder like what exactly is the argument that they're making here right yeah well it's it's like kind of half that half like flowers for algernon algernon thing kind of going on it's like really what what's the point of this is that intelligence means that you're arrogant which means you're a dick or or, or what are we really going yeah, for yeah, it, it exactly. seems like that that there's at least some implication of that and I, I wondered i was like okay well you could argue that jack's brain has changed so radically in such a short amount of time that anybody who went through that change probably wouldn't be able to focus on anything else except how amazingly different and how your focus has shifted to this new way of thinking. So maybe you'd be distracted from humane things, but I didn't, it didn't really seem that way. Like Allison was blatantly telling him, Andy is your friend. Andy, your friend needs your help. And he's like, "Uh, it's a robot. It's a machine. You know, we'll, we'd be better off just buying a new one or or whatever. You know, we'd be better off just destroying it, getting a new one. So it it seemed like they were almost answering that question. Like it wasn't that he was distracted or that it was something new or, or some other explanation. It was that being really smart took away his caring, his caring and his heart. And I don't know. Why is that though? I mean, does that mean that, that the show thinks that the rest of the people in Eureka have less heart than Jack? Well, and it's, it's and it's not just the one storyline too. Both also the Andy storyline also it was identical. Tries to tell the the same story. Yeah, it's identical. But, and he it's his processing power increases and he loses his concern for other people. It's sort of like uh, it's a little bit of the mad scientist kind of trope, well, I guess. Right? I think maybe maybe that's the problem is that we're trying to look for some some deeper meaning in this. Uh, like I said, either flowers for Algernon or you know, Jekyll and Hyde or Hulk or something like that. Where really there isn't. Maybe it's just not that deep. There's always meaning. <laughs> what, what always. You can always find meaning it when you apply. It can be on purpose. It can be not on purpose, but it's there. Somebody actually mentioned mad scientist in the show. And then was it Henry who replied like, 
or no, it was Jack. Yeah. He said, not mad, but something crap. It was like, uh, not mad, but, but brilliant and, and something else. Like this obsession with, well, I guess with just brilliance. I mean, with the ability to figure things out, somehow making you inherently superior. Well, there's definitely a competition that can be engaged on any on any, you know, I don't know, on any playing field, right? It could be sports, it could be um, academic achievement, it could be job placement, you know, job title, it could be anything. And and there's definitely kind of a strong hierarchy of that in Eureka. They They have the same kinds that we have elsewhere, it's just different, you know? You know what? Maybe it's. I'm just trying to form this now, but maybe it's something to do with what they actually did. They, they, for the first time in a long time, they very explicitly talked about Nathan Stark, and maybe you know this is to answer the question of, well, Allison's last husband was was, was freaking Stark. Why is she going for for Carter here? And I mean, you would think that you know. I don't think Stark would really regard Andy as a as a person either. You know, may, maybe this is to sh- maybe show the difference of of what she uh, sh- what she sees in in Carter. See, I I, I think uh, I mean, if you think about it, Stark actually did treat an android as a as a person in a past mm. episode. But on the other hand, the problem with Stark, I think, was less that. The one that they showed directly there, like that he was smart, so he was a dick, you know, but more like he had a different kind of issue that made him a dick where like he was always he always put his and and I think Allison actually says this later, but he actually puts his career and his work ahead of their relationship all the time. And only in in the very end does he kind of come around from that. And I, right. I think it was during that scene I, that you were talking about, one where they made the comparison directly. <coughs> it may have been where uh, Marcus actually, you know, said to her, brought brought Stark up, and and she was like, "Yeah, that's the problem. He was that. I want, you know, I want this. I want the heart." More than oh yeah, he said. Well, he's no Stark, and she says, and I wouldn't want him to be. Yeah, like look how that worked out. I, that was my first thought. Is and that worked out great, right? They were so super happy when we first met them, and they were married, right? right? Well, I also got the sense too that that could just be taken in general as well. Is like I want him to be him. I don't want him to be someone yeah. else. Yeah. But but yeah, there was also the kind of uh, why would I want him to be like the guy I divorced? <laughs> exactly. Funny that I just seemed to a pretty obvious answer to me. Go figure. <laughs> yeah. Although they did reconcile. True. And uh, yeah, though one might say it cost him a bit. (laughs) Sorry. You know, I can't help but wonder if you couldn't argue. I mean, and and this is getting pretty deep into it, but um, is it possible that... Okay, well, first of all, I I think the big question here that that the episode is asking is what makes a person valuable? Yes, I agree. And... And there are different sides to that, you know, that someone's intelligence or someone's heart or, loyalty. you know, loyalty. Yeah. Friendship, all these things. Um, but is it possible that maybe it's the way that intelligence is treated and valued in Eureka specifically that kind of exacerbates this problem? Because, for example, the way that people regard intelligence outside of Eureka is different. 
And in, in Eureka, intelligence is almost like the most valuable currency you can have. So it makes you wonder that if it's not even more kind of um, an exaggerated effect, that when Jack becomes really intelligent, not only does he get the respect of Marcus, but he eases kind of a, an insecurity about himself that he's had for a really long time, especially concerning Allison and and the whole town. He feels like he fits in with them, you know, and, and, and. I don't know if that necessarily would be the case outside of Eureka. You know, like if you became hyper smart outside of Eureka, you know what I mean? Like the society around you wouldn't value you in exactly the same way. You'd still be kind of a hero, but maybe not so much as here. So what I'm saying is, is it possible that the show is also kind of making a sideways argument that Eureka itself as a town needs to evaluate what it holds to be a, valuable hmm. oh, we're just thinking about that <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's a really interesting point that was that was definitely the kind of the direction i got my first thought was you know we're we're being directed by the authors of this by the creators of this to think about some things and 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 um when i heard the uh the the funny uh uh, what like against white people thing? My first thought was, is yeah. ooh, are we getting a, a race commentary? No, I didn't see one, but I, I couldn't help but the minute I heard that, I was like, ooh, gotta look for one, you know, to see if there's something coming up. Uh, it's pretty common in sci-fi to replace one issue with an identical report, you know, with with a kind of a stand-in for it, right? Yeah, yeah. to and, make to make a commentary about something. Right, right. So. Uh, I mean, this could, I suppose, be a stand-in for power or or for, uh, you know, oh, preeminence or organization. Interesting point. No, no, I, I, no, I just realized cool. kind of where you're going. That's that's awesome. Yeah, I'm like, I wonder what the, you know, I wonder what they're commenting on exactly. Is it the actual thing or is it a stand-in for something else, you know? I still think it's funny that they call him dumb. I mean, he's not dumb. Yeah, right. He's not, I guess, learned in a particular area. And he's not right. a genius, but I mean, doesn't need to be, but, but I mean, well, compared that, to like average humans, he's, he's an average human, you know? <laughs> well, and, and I think, you know, at least one of the, the, the messages of this episode is that there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. In fact, it, everybody has, you know, it's, it's almost a stance against, it's like anti elitism. Yeah. Of, I mean, quite literally, is is that's he? Um, I'm buying can, it. Can't remember his name. Comes into town and says, you know, Marcus. I mean, come on, our entire family's smart. What are you doing hooking up with this guy? And you know, you know, by the end of the episode, he's oh, I guess he doesn't really learn anything because he doesn't really see Carter properly. But you know, know it does. I think. I mean, you're right. I agree. It's not like well, he sees Carter through Allison and. I, I yeah, but it, it's it's you know it's there in in the world. There's got to be people that are you know more learned. There are less learned. There are people that are just average, and you know that that doesn't necessarily make people better or worse people based on where they come from, what their upbringing is, or what their uh, skill set is. It is funny to me. Like you do sometimes run into, and not certainly not a one to one, or even necessarily often, but every now and then you'll run into someone who has a very 
thorough background and experience in a particular relatively narrow field that will sort of get used to being preeminent in that field and used to hanging around with people who right. are in that field and who see them as have the like, same, wow, you're awesome <laughs> in this field and <laughs> have the same kind of limitations yeah. they do. And, and then, then they we'll go to get a, a tire changed and <laughs> right. we'll walk into another scenario where they just, where they're completely out of, you know, fish out of water and don't recognize it. You know, we'll assume that, well, if I can do this, I must be able to do all these other things that other people do. And actually, sometimes those require That's a lot like of experience. That's like Sheldon on Big Bang know? Theory. Oh, yeah. It's exactly. Yeah. 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 Totally. You know, uh, it, did either of you happen to catch the uh, latest uh, Nerdist Writers podcast? No. I, I'm still not on that one yet. No. Because ah, uh, I, I believe it was Amy Berg was on it. Ooh, right? sweet. And, and she was talking quite a bit about writing for Eureka. And there were a couple of things that came to mind that I want, I, I kind of noted to mention. One was when uh, they, one of the questions that they were asked was the various people that were on the panel were like, uh, what, how do you handle, what are tricks that you have for handling um, exposition? You know, when you just have to get information out to people, how do you do that? Mm-hmm. You know, because everybody kind of has crutches and ways they, they yeah. do it. And Whatever so, you can do yeah. to avoid the info dump. Right. right. And some of them are pretty <laughs> entertaining, you know, <laughs> and uh, it was great because she said, you know, actually on Eureka, it's not really much of a problem because we find that it blends well with humor. You know, like <laughs> she's like, <laughs> well, we're, we, in this episode, when she's talking about or when uh, Allison's talking about the drug that Carter's on. And then she does the standard, you know, here's the techno babble and here's the uh, here's the dumb speak for it. And he's like, yeah, I heard you the first time. Yeah. You, you kind of realize that they do. They do do that a lot because, you know, Carter's usually got a Oh, that can't be good comment or something like that. that right. Makes it, right. That make that turns it into something funny. And he did. The, he does that later with Marcus. He's like, you know, blah, blah, blah is increasing exponentially. That means really fast. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I didn't get Carter at one point. He's like, man, I hate having to explain everything. Yeah. To everybody. <laughs> well, what did, what did she say as some of the, uh, do well, you remember? Or? I was going to say that, that she actually mentioned uh, metaphors as one of their most common ways of, of conveying, you know, complex situations. Like she's like, it always works literally. Like it's, it's always a requirement. And, and she mentioned how having Carter made that easier, like we were just talking about, but also how, uh, you'll note that they interject those metaphors in all the time. Like, like every time there's something almost that shows up, it gets, it gets, uh, slapped in there. Uh, one of the other writers, just to, because I thought this was really interesting and doesn't necessarily have anything to do with Eureka, but one of the other writers had pointed out how um, how he liked to do it when the character was angry. They found that that it mixes well with anger. Like if you think about oh, cause it, because you tend to like spout stuff off, kind of like, that you might not otherwise, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. like we didn't come here to do this and this and this, you know, <laughs> and it's like you might say something obvious, repeat something obvious when you're angry and you're trying to like Emphasize make a point with it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. So you could, you could say something that feels kind of <laughs> expositiony if you had the person be mad while they do it. Rah, 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 rah. What? The little boat flipped over. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you just kinda, explained. Yeah. Or if like, you know, you need to explain how uh, everybody got to this room and they did it. Um, despite the fact that that uh, it would have been easier to be in the other room. You could say, I didn't come to this room instead of that room because of this, you know? 
And and there it is. You know, you just explained it. You know, it actually, it, it's yeah. kind of cool because you know the kind of writing that I teach is not as fun, you know, as it, like creative <laughs> screenwriting. But it's it's more like just straight up composition, like you know, essays. But the same idea applies, which is that whatever you're going to say, you have to anticipate what the reader's questions are going to be and, and what the reader's going to be wondering them, yeah. about. And you have to give them that information, uh, you know, in like as you go. And you have to try to, in fact, give them that information, hopefully before they're aware that they're asking the question so that it just kind of flows. And then when they're done, they feel as a as a viewer, you feel satisfied because you're not left with all this. Uh, you know, the kind of questions you're left with are good ones, like the, the kind that make you want to keep watching, not the kind that make you think, do they know what they're doing? You know, so it's kind of cool how it still applies, you know, whether because it, it's the nature of writing, you know, it's not a uh, what do you call it? It's not a real time experience. You know, it is a conversation, but it's a. Uh, an asynchronous conversation. Yeah. So you have to make sure to, you know, think of all that stuff before you, you put it out. Cause you don't have a chance to like gauge the reaction. So good writing, you know, I guess we'll take care of that. I think it's just cool that it, it works for, yeah, it's one of the reasons I listen to that show. It's so fascinating. Uh, the, how the art gets, you know, how the, how the donuts get made in the morning, you know, the, the, how other, the donuts get made. One <laughs> <Juan> knows. One <laughs> knows and he says, you don't want to know, man. I have the burns to prove it. Oh, <laughs> you know the. the I, you told I, me you got those fighting dragons. <laughs> if by dragon you mean donut fryer, then <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> we called it dragon. <laughs> it was our pet name for it. <laughs> no, you know, um, we talked about this this episode very much being about what makes us important and what you know what makes the characters important and what makes us important by proxy, you know. And I think that's true because the other kind of, you know, the uh, the other main story that was going on was Holly and the idea of trying to make a body for Holly and and her dissatisfaction with her current state and kind of Fargo's internal conflict with whether how much risk to take, uh, you know, based which is really a measure of how important it is, right? Of of whether she. Uh, stay where she is or, or, or move into a new body. And, yeah, what's you know, more important, her her happiness with this big risk or, or, or stability and longevity? Or those freedoms to to move freely or to, uh, or to uh, express herself outside of the limits of this device or things like that. I mean, it's a really, uh, a lot of the kind of, these kind of things come up a lot when, whenever we see artificial life. You know, anytime they show what is essentially a person playing a machine, playing a person, right? Yeah. Anytime that happens in sci-fi, it seems pretty clear to me that we're we're commenting on on the importance of some portion of us. What makes this part more important than this part, or can we live without this part, and that sort of thing, right? Well, yeah, that's asking the big questions of what what is alive, and you know, you know what what is the soul, and that kind of thing, right? Right. Well, We're, it's interesting too because this is one of the first times that we've had a uh, an artificial life that is based on a real life. You know, that used to be a real person. So Well, and that's the question too is that how based on like is it Holly or is it a copy of what's left of her? Right. Well, a real yeah, good and, simulation, I mean the Turing question, right? Sure, but but a separate question is you know, if she if she believes that she's Holly, you know, whether she is or not, I mean, if she believes based on all her memories and experiences and stuff, she's still going to be fundamentally 
different. Well, I guess maybe See not. What I'm right? saying? It's I, a, an AI it's who's an been programmed question. to think that she is. Yeah, yeah. Good, <clears throat> good point. And and at the core level, it's that same question that always comes up: is what do you mean programmed to think? I mean, how do we know that she's right. thinking or not thinking? All we know, which incidentally is the only thing we know about any of us, yeah. is that from the outside we see a really good we see certain things happening. Is it a simulation or is it real? No way to know. I guess the main difference right. would be how other people interact with her. Cause you would probably, you couldn't help that people would interact differently with an AI who used to be a, a real person that you knew than an AI that you never knew before. We definitely have both examples. I mean, we've seen people interact with Sarah, which Sarah is being somewhat minimized now, though <laughs> in the past, Sarah was treated as a character. You know, every episode, I'm just so worried that they're going to kill her. I know. Me too. Did anyone else feel it's like not, a, a yeah. pang, like in your heart? Yeah. Like it was stabbed when she's like, I'm sharing my body with a stupid house. I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. And now it's Andy. Yeah. You know, Andy is now the important version of that kind of embodiment of that. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think it comes down to people's, uh, I mean, I heard that people's reactions to Holly is, are going to be based on fundamentally what they believe of about you know, what makes up a person. I mean, somebody who's more spiritual may, you know, say, okay, well, you know, a backup of somebody's brain isn't their soul. Whereas... Well, how do we know the soul wasn't backed up too then? <laughs> well, that's the question, right? I mean, you know, and then, you know, somebody that's in, in, immensely scientific says, well, you know, you know, the human body is just a giant machine and if you can back up what's going on the machine, you can recreate it and then that's the same thing. Like what? What is the answer to that? I don't. I don't know what the answer to that is. Yeah, there are lots of concerns too, like uh, like the idea that a man-made machine that was somehow the equivalent of man can be tweaked and changed You're by about this body us. That they're yeah, yeah, or or something like Andy. You know, like you can reprogram Andy which I always felt was kind of like us again, a stand in for our own fears about, about being controllable and, and mm -hmm. how we can have our own will sub subverted, you know, that's kind of what this whole se this season has come down to so far is just, you know, what, what is, what is real? What is free will? What is control? Yeah. Wow. What is existence? Yeah. Right. Yeah. What is, yeah. What is it to exist? You know what? Actually, this episode really made me want to go back and watch the uh, the next episode, next gen episode, uh, Measure of a Man. Yes, oh, I love yes. that episode. The one where uh, Picard has to defend uh, yep. Data against Riker it was awesome, and, and uh, the judge, the the judge advocate. God, I love the end of that. Isn't that just the most oh, awesome yeah. ending? And ever. That, that's actually one of my one of my favorite scenes, other than the the you know the Picard speech at the end where he just you know knocks it out of the park. Uh, is the uh, the conversation he has with Guinan in Ten Forward, yeah, where it's just that she she knows the answer to what he's asking before yeah. he even walks in, but she lets him come to that conclusion of, oh, this is what this is what we're going we're going down the road towards slavery here, uh, I, I subjugation of an entire species, and that that scene is just so powerful, and and you know you got Whoopi Goldberg and Patrick Stewart just playing it up for all it's worth. It's just. It is one of my favorite episodes of Star Trek ever. That's awesome. Actually, it's one of my favorites, too. Is that one season two one? It's early. Yes, that's a season two. Yeah, it's because it's the spandex uniforms, but Riker has a beard. 
Nice. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. You know, it's so funny. Like I said, I mean, the one that always stood out for me on that one was, was there's so much good in that episode, though, is when, is when uh, Riker is in his quarters during the party and, oh, and Data comes right. down and is like, uh, you know, it's and it's kind of... He, he lays it out logically. It's like, you know, Riker's like, oh, I feel bad about this. And, you know, I, I, I you know, tried to... I did my best to have you uh, shut down, deactivated, and strip bare. And Data goes, is it not true that had you not defended me, that I would have been summarily, you know, deactivated? You, well, yeah. It's like, well, then I got to thank you. You uh, saved my life. Yeah. yeah. Like, Data's such a great guy. It's a little bit ham-handed and classic. It, I like that, though. I'm not complaining. Like, it's it's that good early kind of ham-fisted Star Trek, you know, where well, yeah, for well, a little ham- like two steps away from the original yeah, it's series, the writing, you know? though. it's yeah. more Riker at that in that. And it's not the delivery. It's the I think it's as much the writing or anything. But I don't care. I love that. I, I actually like that about early Trek, you know? Oh, yeah, it's fun. It's 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 comforting a little bit. Hey, speaking of, can I wind just for a second? <laughs> I got, I got it. You're gonna, so <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Um, <laughs> they sound like an old married couple. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, old podcasting couple. The uh, this this upcoming weekend, um, I think it'll be upcoming for you guys. I forget, but um, are we living in a different? Oh, I've already had or? this weekend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This, uh, um, well, I'm thinking about when, when we release the podcast. Reality, I'm like, Chuck. It's coming I'm, out tomorrow. Man. Oh, okay. Then, yeah. So this, <laughs> this weekend, there will be, is, is the, uh, uh, theater like Fathom event theater oh, release yeah. of yeah the, the Trek episodes yeah I was thinking I'm not sure I want to go sit through two episodes mm, at, I do. Uh, really yeah um, well how long oh, could what? they be uh, there's sorry. no commercials they're like forty sorry. minutes long two each. hours. Nope. Wait a minute. What series? What is this? What are you okay, talking about? At, at movie theaters, they're doing a, an event. Go ahead, Chuck. Yeah, next gen. You know the uh, the Blu-ray release. They're yeah. they're doing that theatrical release of two episodes. Really? Yeah, I did not know this. Okay. Yeah, the one uh, with the crystalline. The one with the crystalline entity, and then uh, the data lore. Data, data, data lore. lore is the crystalline entity episode. Yeah. Yes. Oh. And what's the other one? Oh, where no where no one has gone before. Uh, isn't that the one where the traveler shows up yes. and takes the other yeah. side of the universe? Totally. Yeah, um, and those are you know effects heavy, of course, which is probably why they chose. Yeah, them. they're wanting to show those off. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that's 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 this week, and I forgot where I was going with it now. Oh, I know. Um, you were gonna whine. I was. <laughs> I was gonna whine about the episode selection. I know why they selected them, but I'm like, what did you want? Farpoint. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Actually, you know what I think? You know what I think? You're not down. You know what would have been really fun is if they had chosen like. Well, first of all, the best would have been like, like the Pulaski episodes. <laughs> the best would have been like yesterday's Enterprise <gasps> and uh, and Inner Light. Oh my god! Like if okay, it was that, there would have been no question. I would pay to see or, or Inner Light but and Family. I think the reason that they selected these is because they're doing it a season at a time for the yes. Blu-ray, right? Yes. So this could potentially happen like every year. So you may get inner light, you know, in four years. <laughs> this is the best of season one, you know. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we have the big goodbye. We have oh, there, there's the first Q episode. I mean, yeah, I think what might have been kind of fun too, though. I couldn't help but think that it would be cool if they did like uh, encounter at Farpoint and like a best worst. Like, like, oh, the, oh, the clip show. <laughs> oh, God. Remember there was the season one clip show, wasn't there? 
Or was that season two? Wow. Where it was like Riker's injured and they have the clip show oh, to God. show him all the violent memories of his past to make him <laughs> fight off the infection or whatever. You know, you got to love the, was it, was it community that did the non clip clip show? That is one of my favorite episodes because it's like all these random events that never occurred. Never in happened. Yeah. So, it's yeah. a clip show, but none of those things ever Plus actually you get happened. The montage as well. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> that is pretty awesome. You know, I'm looking through the season one list and guys, Greendale's is flat baroque. So we are holding a fundraiser. The one where you see him open the closet and pick his outfit. That stuff's brilliant. Yeah. You know, um, I just, I have to say, I really appreciate it. I've gotten a couple of uh, Twitter uh, at mentions and comments this week with people saying that they are really enjoying Eureka and enjoying oh, really this nice. podcast. Yeah. It was really nice. Super cool. And um, it, it's nice to know that, you know, that there's like a, a fan following of this last season because, man, you know, there's so much heart to this show. We're really going to miss it. And I thought it was cool that the discussion of heart was so central yes. to this episode because it really kind of represents so the series. Yeah. The series as a whole. I agree completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, another thing from the Nerdist writers panel, they were talking about how this show, uh, uh, Berg had mentioned how the show was definitely after the pizza guy incident, the show from that point <laughs> onward, everybody seems That's to like a that turning up. point in that. <laughs> it totally is. It is. Well, I mean, we watched through the first couple seasons, and it kind of was, really. You know, yeah. after that guy bites the dust, and it's like... Like, wait a minute. This show isn't like that. That's like, Everybody had that reaction. Even the people on the show had that reaction. Yeah. But the the funny thing is, uh, she was talking about how it's very much a character-driven show. And I, I thought, yeah, I, man, I, it's interesting to hear that the people, some of the people behind it had that same thought about it. You yeah. Know? Yeah, we've said that a number of times that it just feels like this show is very character driven and the plot is important, but it's really about the development of the characters and the the, yeah. the arc for the characters more than the arc of the plot or the arc of any particular thing. They almost got to wonder in, in like today's TV market that maybe that was one of the things that led to the downfall of it is that, you know, there's a, there's a lot of shows out there that, you, you know, you got to watch week to week to make sure you keep up with it. But this show is just feel good and. And it's a lot of fun, but that may not necessarily draw in the same numbers. Actually, that's one of the things that came up, and I meant to talk about this, and I, I would have forgotten about it had you not said that. Like, uh, they were talking about, or, or Berger was talking about how uh, that that can that long-term character arc development can be um, a viable middle ground between the uh, episode, what did they call it, um, the serial show, mm-hmm. which... Yeah. which is in vogue right now mm-hmm. and the classic like Standalones. Yeah, yeah well the classic less that way show that you were used to seeing and now you need to give people a serialized show and yet at the same time you want people to be able to come in and get involved and and she was talking about how uh making those character arcs what it's about can be a good way to get both where nice. right well yeah because you don't need to know necessarily right. watch episode to episode it's like, you know, take a classic show from a while back, you know, like the Cosby show or something like that. It had a huge following because, you know, it had this long, 
years long character arc of this family growing up together. You don't have to watch every episode to understand what's going on, but you can get very emotionally involved in, in a series like that because of the development between the characters. Yeah, MASH is the great example for MASH, that. MASH, exactly. Nothing Mash. ever changes, and yet the characters MASH develop. is the king of it, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had not really thought about it that way, but I was like, wow, that works, you know? I, I was just thinking it's another um, kind of argument that Deep Space Nine was ahead of its time. Maybe why it didn't do as well as it might have I think Deep Space Nine uh, experimented in both directions and maybe never really hit a good balance. Like near the end, they went full on, you know, like you must watch all of the episodes to understand. Like what was the advertisement going into that? It's like the final eight. You must watch them all on UPN or whatever. Right. And (laughs) and it just, you know, that if you missed one, just forget about it. You're boned. Which is true. (laughs) Yeah, actually. Actually, I just watched the. Uh, did you ever watch the uh, uh, Bill Shatner documentary, The Captains? Yes, yes of course. Yeah. Yeah. I just checked Love that it. out a couple days ago. Oh my god! Did you <laughs> did you see that um, image? It was a. Uh, I, I put it on Facebook the other day, and it was uh, Janeway talking to 1960s Kirk. No. Okay, I'll, I'll send it to you. It's it's terrific because basically she she just pones him, and it's like a a strip, you know, like a I don't know how would you say Chuck? It's like a it's like a vertical strip where you see like him and then her and then him and her and cuts back. And oh yeah, she's, that, very, oh, she's a screenshot very, comic strip. Yes. Exactly, and she's very cheeky and it's hilarious. And especially, I was like, if you've seen Captains, this particular thing is even Their more interaction funny. in it is yeah, yeah totally. Where he just like does this standard, and I don't think it was aimed at her as much as he kind of treated everyone that way. Um, but but damn, what's the best way to convey to the world that I am a chauvinist pig? <laughs> <laughs> but like when he went to uh, when he just started just crapping on her in it, like the way he did everybody to get some get a rise out of them. It he, was, yeah, he he did not handhold anybody. In those interviews, it wasn't. It's just like well, I'm going to ask statement. Dick questions, and I'm going to do it. Yeah, it wasn't <laughs> even uh, a lack of handholding. It was more like purposefully, you know, almost like a Geraldo kind of thing, where I'm going to be a douche to them, and that's going to expose who they are. And when he You're did like, it to her, sorry, dude, all it does is expose who you are. <laughs> yeah, there was just this awesome moment where she just would not rise to it yeah she just she just answered his questions and you're the only one that really beat him was avery brooks by going completely you know back crap crazy (laughs) go on (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's just like you're gonna ask stupid questions i would give you some jazz you know i i wanted to uh i know we're kind of wrapping up and I, i wanted to say about this uh this episode we were talking about in the beginning the arguments that they're making about like does being super smart necessarily mean that you have to give up some of your heart or some of your humanity or whatever. And even though it seems like that's the argument they're making, I don't know fully that it is because if you look at characters who are geniuses, like Allison, like even Vince, who's a gastronomical scientist or whatever, and and Kevin, you know, all of these guys, all these people are, are geniuses who have heart and, (laughs) You know, and I think that there's a special quality to Jack being the person that he is, but I don't think that they have less heart than he does, even though I they're, think that they're maybe brilliant. if anything, it emphasizes the role that he plays in that community. Because, you know, if we go back to season one where he shows up, everybody is like arrogant to him and, and condescending. And throughout the course of the show, he, he winds up getting people to kind of, you know, care a little bit about their 
you know, their fellow Eurekans. Yeah, and, yeah, it's true. It you know, just- that, that's the role he plays, and without it, you know, I, I do also understand Carter's kind of going off the deep end right away too, because there is that mo- one moment he says, you know, it's like, you know, I, you know, I, I actually now understand what it is to be on your guys's level. Yeah. And, you know, there, like there's, there's probably some, some repression. Of, response you know. is really important there, though. Yeah. You always have been on my level. Yeah. But you're right. She learned that from him. And it just the whole thing leads me yeah. to believe that there's more to what makes Carter special than his heart. I think it's, you know, there's there's a lot about him that's special, not just his, you know, like he's so dumb that he has to be super lovey. <laughs> yeah, or I, I don't, I don't you know? think anybody I don't think was making that point. Yeah. Well, guys, I, yeah, I'm with you. I, I hate to do it. We got to wrap up because we got another podcast coming. Yeah, so. awesome episode this week. And I saw a little clip of the preview for next week, and it just looks yeah awesome. Like, with, hardcore yeah, with classic that preview, I'm themes. almost wondering if <laughs> setting up Carter to be a very compassionate person is going to help that plot. So. Yeah. I won't say anything because I don't want to spoiler anybody, but I think the next episode, we'll, we'll be having a lot to say. Indeed. So we'll see you next week. From everyone here at Save Eureka and GWC, thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch Eureka or other fun shows with some of the friendliest people in geekdom, visit us at galacticwatercooler.com. We'd love to hear from you as well. If you have something to add to the show, give us a call at 214-296-9229. That's 214-296-9229. And follow the instructions there to leave us a message for inclusion in a future podcast. Financial support from listeners like you keep all GWC podcasts on the net each week. To find out how to donate, visit galacticwatercooler.com slash donate.